So I want to tell you a little story about um, my weekend visiting my parents two weeks ago. Um, my mom has Alzheimer's. She was diagnosed a couple years ago, and it's been progressing pretty rapidly. My dad is a nurse by um, training, so he's really well equipped to care for her, but he is exhausted. He's a very tired man right now and troubled um, for good reasons. Um, but he's, he's you know, also a very uh, a God-fearing man, and he has God to help him, and is, is really doing a really good job. Um, one thing I find, and this happened two weekends ago when I went to visit him, one thing I find I often do when I'm visiting my parents is I try to improve them. <laughs> I, it's almost compulsive. I have to like make them better in every single way. So I, you know, talk to them about their diet. I ask my dad if he's tried these certain things I've researched on his behalf um, regarding my mom's care. And one time we were sitting eating lunch together, and I found myself, he was expressing some frustration with something in his life. And I found myself just like trying to lovingly and subtly push him to a new mindset. You know, like, Dad, it's not so bad. You have this great thing going on. And in my head, a voice was saying, Linda, just be quiet. <laughs> like, can you just stop talking for a second and let the man speak? Um, and it kind of startled me. You know, I was like, what is going on? Like, why do I feel compelled? Like, surely I'm loving my dad, but it felt off to me somehow. And then, so that's, that's kind of one snapshot of a moment I had. After lunch, we were cleaning up dishes. And I'm not sure why he did this, but my dad pointed to a plaque someone had given him a couple weeks ago. He's like, oh, look at this plaque our friend Jan gave us. And it said, blessed, tired, but blessed. And in my head, I automatically had this like, ah, oh, he's complaining again. Like, man, like maybe I could encourage him to think about it differently. Um, but it was kind of like time stopped for me. It was a real crazy moment where everything slowed. I saw my dad, I saw the plaque, I saw myself, and I thought like, what does he need to hear? Like, what, what is going on in this moment that, that I need to pay attention to? And I had a couple options in front of me. I could see it in my mind's eye. I'm a very visual person. Um, and I decided to go with, I looked him in the eye and I said, wow, dad, you must have felt really seen when your friend gave you that plaque. And like, I could just see every feature in his face relax. And he looked me in the eye and he's like, yeah, I did feel really seen. And it was such a powerful moment. I, I felt connected to him. I felt like he felt connected to me. And there was some sort of life that sprang up from it. Um, can you guys relate to these kind of moments with people you love? You know, the kind of battle to fix or to meet with them? It, it's kind of interesting that the next week after this visit, I, had, I, I work as a psychotherapist, and I had two clients come in who were elderly. 
know what their number one like hardship was? Their adult children were not just listening to them. <laughs> their adult children were trying to fix them. <laughs> and they're like, you know, I keep telling them, like, I'm, I'm struggling, I need you to listen to me. And my adult children just want to tell me it's going to be okay, and, you know, I should try this new thing. And um, anyway, that's very humbling. But I was like, I am your adult children. <laughs> I know. So in this book, we're talking about loving kindness called a hesed love. It's, it's a merciful kindness. It's a loving kindness. Um, it's, a loyal, it's a loyal love. It's one that's committed regardless of the other party. Um, and man, do we really need this, right? Like, we really need this in our lives. We need it for the people we love. So I'm going to have us, you know, talk about this today a little, a little bit. And I want to start with this question. And I actually didn't check this. Is it okay if I have the mic running around? Is that okay? Okay. Um, I want to know what your thoughts are on what makes a parent's love so special. Okay. Thanks, Peter. So if anyone has, like, something that you think is really special about parental love, maybe it's a, a way you experienced your parents or a way... You as a parent are, I've got a whole family on the back table there, so I see you guys. Um, I would just love just a little bit of thoughts on that. What makes a parent love special? There's no wrong answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh yeah. Yeah. That you'll always always uh Sue said that she learned from her parents that you'll always be received. Alex had one back there, Peter, to the side. You know, I uh, <laughs> you know my, uh I'm not perfect, gotta say that. My parents weren't perfect. They their parents weren't perfect. They grew up in hard times but there's one thing that I realized that my parents they did their best and they gave me a sense of security that I think people who haven't had that kind of care they don't have that sense of security so I'm very grateful for that security that I have I think that something that makes parental love so special is that no matter what you do, no matter how annoying or bad you are, your parents are still going to love you. It's unconditional, truly. Um, my dad, a couple of weeks ago, said to me, I'll support you and I'll love you no matter what decision you make. And I think I've never felt that type of love before until my dad said that. I'm sure he, you know. <laughs> loved me like that before, but I really felt it in that moment that, you know, my dad and my mom and my parents are going to love me, even if I'm, you know, the worst person in the world, they're still going to love me and try and help me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I agree. I, I feel like Alex, too, that my parents were just always there, no matter what. I always knew I had a place to come home to, and um, and that is a lot of security that we just take for granted. As a parent, I feel like, wow, it's really a miraculous love that comes through us from God for our kids That is that is unconditional, and I don't think I experience unconditional love anywhere else except with the kids. There were times my parents provided things for us kids that they themselves didn't have, that at the time I didn't realize as a kid. Mm. I was just ungrateful. <laughs> but now looking back, it's like, yeah, the, the stuff that they didn't have growing up or they didn't have in their own lives presently that they would um, sacrifice and to make sure that us kids had something. I remember one time years ago, somebody asked me, I don't know why, it was challenging me somehow, why do you love your kids? I said, well, just because they're mine. They're <laughs> I love them because they're there. I just, I just love them. Mm. All right, one last one. These are really good answers, you guys. Both of my parents have passed now, but what I recall as a result of both of them is the example that they were. Um, you know, my dad didn't make a big deal of it, but now I reflect on the fact that he was in D-Day plus six, and he suffered PTSD because of his experiences yet he set an example of steadiness and love throughout my life. You know, I have a wife who didn't have that kind of love and support, and it keeps coming back to me that my dad and my mom were faithful. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. So as we've been going through this, you know, I think... Um, it's helpful to reflect on parent love because it's such a powerful, overwhelming, committed love, just like you guys were describing. Uh, what keeps coming up in my mind is this quote I found in a, a book I was reading for work um, that's always kind of stuck with me. And then as I was reading the chapter on Hasad in the book we're going through as a church, the other half of church, um, the quote came up in my mind again, so I want to bring it. I think it really encapsulates things you guys were just talking about. Um, so it says, the roots of resilience, so this is, the context is talking about resilience in human beings. Where does it come from? The roots of resilience are to be found in the sense of being understood by and existing in the mind and heart of a loving, attuned, and self-possessed other. I think you guys nailed when you were telling your stories. I heard a lot of just being noticed, you know, existing in the presence of someone else, and you know you're on their mind and heart. It's a powerful thing. And then the three attributes of the other for it to be a healthy setting, loving, attuned, and self-possessed. 
So that word self-possessed is the one that really stuck out to me and I was reflecting on. It's, uh, it really seems to capture an angle of hesed love um, in the sense that if you're self-possessed, you, you're in control of yourself. You're sort of self-sustained, right? You're not feeding off someone else. You're not dependent on someone else. There's something in you that's solid which makes you have something to offer freely. So that's, that's the definition or the explanation that that word is getting at. Um, and we see biblical examples of this. So one story that I think most of us are familiar with is the story of Ruth and Naomi in the Old Testament. How, you know, uh, Ruth... And I don't know if it's her sister or sister-in-law. Sister-in-law, thank you. <laughs> um, their husbands died, and Naomi's husband died. Naomi was their mother, was uh, mother-in-law to Ruth, and they were kind of figuring out what they were going to do. They had kind of lost their, you know, their their partners, and Naomi said, you know, Ruth, you and your sister-in-law, you guys should just stay here and try to remarry and I'll head back home. I'll go to the land I came from. And Ruth said, no, no, I love you, Naomi. I'm going to come with you. And there was no strings attached here. You know, it was a very, um, it was a self-possessed decision. You know, it wasn't like she was trying to get something out of Naomi. She really loved her. And that's the word, the word has said love is used to describe Ruth's love. Um, the other one is Jesus, right? <laughs> that, that comes to mind. Jesus was very self-possessed in the sense that he didn't try to get something from us. He tried to love us and show us love. And then, you know, when we didn't deserve it, gave himself even more, gave his very life for us so that we could be closer to him. Um, now, I was trying to think of a foil example here. And there's a really good one in the story of Cain and Abel. So Cain and Abel, in, you know, in Genesis, are two brothers. And they, there's a story of them offering sacrifices. And God chooses Abel's sacrifice over Cain. And Cain becomes jealous. Uh, he's, he's mad. The Bible says he's just angry about it. Um, I'm actually going to read the interchange he has with God. It's, it's very powerful, and it really shows a, this idea of self-possession versus other possession, or being possessed by something else. Um, so the Lord comes to Cain. He, he notices Cain is mad, and he comes to him, and he says, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? You know, he's giving him a, a bit of encouragement. And then he gets more serious. He says, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. You know, God's really laying out this situation in Cain's heart. Um, and he's saying, look, something is after you. It's not for you, but you can rule over it. He's giving him an out. Um, 
so at this point you might be thinking, <laughs> self-possession, Linda, really? Break it down first. How does this apply to Hesed love? If it's not clear enough, I want to just make sure it's really clear. Um, when we're not self-possessed, when we're not able to um, control our various things that are contrary to us, there's many of them, and I'll get into them, um, then we, it's, it's very hard to have said love for others. There's always a bit of an angle. There's always something we're trying to get out of the situation. Or there's a, um, like a limit. Like, I will love you until you do something that really makes me mad, and then I'm going to, I'm kind of out of here. Or until I just get tired of you not responding in the way that I would like, then I'm out of here too. You know, those kinds of things. Um, so, so here, this is kind of some scenarios I think of. I don't think this is an exhaustive list by any measure. Um, but here are some things that could possess us. And I don't mean possess like wholly possess, like we're no longer thinking something has us. I mean, that could happen too. But this is more like something that rules over us that we could rule over. You know, we don't have to let it get the better of us. Um, so one is overwhelming emotions or overpowering emotions. And the way this shows up in a relationship is having an unsteady, unpredictable love. You know, people aren't quite sure what they're going to get when they approach you with something, maybe something serious. You know, you might be quick to anger, quick to frustration. Your emotions, you know, emotions are really good advisors. We really need them to tell us what's going on us. They're terrible dictators or terrible bosses to have. You know, we don't want them to be the decision makers in our lives. Um, the other one is desires. And this shows up in our love, sometimes with some manipulation. You know, like with my parents, I have a desire for them to be healthy and, and happy. Um, but I get kind of manipulative about it. You know, I send them lots of articles and um, try to, like, edit what they're saying to get them scooching closer to, like, where I want them to be. It's, I've come to see it as, as not very loving, um, and I don't think they feel loved by it. Uh, having an ideology, you know, having a, a narrative that's so strong that it, it leaves you in a seat of judgment over others, um, I think like a, a modern example of that might be like our cancer, cancel culture, you know? If someone says something that offends you, offends your ideas or your narrative, you just can't, you don't, you pretend they're not there. Or easily dismissing people, you know, when they come with a concern that you feel like just really doesn't fit into the ideas you have about something, you dismiss them entirely. Uh, broken parts hurt places. I actually learned this one in FCBC. We had the the hand. I don't know if any of you remember this, but there's this idea that, you know, you have voices, you have influences, and you get to choose, like your thumb is your chooser, and you get to choose who to listen to. And one of the things you can or don't have to listen to is broken places. That was one of the fingers. Um, for those of you who remember that, I'm not, I'm not going to go super into that, but Broken places and hurt places are, are things where we were hurt and it's left us feeling 
um, kind of needy. Uh, our love might be needy, all-consuming, devouring. <laughs> like we need people to act a certain way to us to love them. Otherwise, we'll feel hurt again. Uh, and then unforgiveness. You know, it can make our love cold, limited, cautious. You know, we've been hurt before, and we haven't worked through that, so we're not yet ready to love completely. Or if we love, it's kind of fragile. It's limited. It's guarded. Have you guys experienced any of these in your own life, or you feel like someone else relating to you? Yeah? Okay, so this is relatable. Okay. I feel like, I feel like I've seen these in myself, and I've also felt them when people relate to me, too. Um, so a list like this can be kind of discouraging. Um, it, it can feel like, how are we ever going to love, you know, if we have all these, like, nuances to work through? Um, but the really great thing is that God loves us with his said love. Like, God is, I would say, extraordinarily um, self-possessed in the sense that he's not out to possess us in a, in a way that goes past our permission. Does that make sense? God waits for our permission to enter our life. He, even with like Cain and Abel, right, he's, he's giving Cain choices. He's like, look, there's something coming for you, and you can rule over it. This is, this is your time to rule over it. He's not saying, look, stand aside, Cain. <laughs> Let me take care of this for you because I know you're going to mess it up. He really wants us to have all of us to enjoy and to be free to be our full selves. Um, and he wants to be our partner in that. You know, so he's actually standing beside us. He's not overwhelming us, overshadowing us. It's really extraordinary um, when you think of all the things that would love to just take over us. You know, like, there are so many people who want to overtake us. I want to overtake my parents. I mean, that's how crazy it is. And yet God is not like that. He really wants to lift us up, and he wants to partner with us. And this is transformative, right? When we meet this kind of love, we want to become that kind of love. And this is something we experience from God. You know, God liberates us, and then we have a taste of freedom, and we want to offer that to others. And then when we offer that to others, it actually liberates other people to be the same way. It's a regenerating phenomenon. So, like, what do we do to try to de-weed our love a little bit, so to speak? Um, I really think this is... Uh, a really special thing to experience. And maybe you've, you've, some of the discussion questions we'll have later will give you time to talk about times when you really felt like you succeeded. But one of the things that's really helped me succeed is just to slow down, you know, in my interactions with people. Like, why the rush? You know, um, we really need to have our wits about us when we're relating to each other because we're, we're sacred beings. I mean... The way we relate to each other is really important, no matter who it is. 
I think we know that in our best moments. We can feel that. Uh, but sometimes life gets a little busy. You know, we accumulate knowledge without wisdom. And then we start, like, blasting each other with articles or, um, you know, we're impatient or we just want people to change and we're starting to wear thin of patience for them to change. And um, this stuff can kind of just snowball and we kind of lose our way and we lose the sense of sacredness. And so one of the first things is just to slow down and take a moment to understand what is going on inside you. You know, when someone says something and you have a strong reaction, that's your moment to push pause and to ask the Lord for help. Um, another thing is to get honest feedback. <laughs> you know, talk to people. If you feel like, gosh, I wonder if I have a blind spot here. Who knows me well and who's truthful? Let me talk to them. Let me get coffee with them. Let me ask them what they think is going on with me if I feel the struggle reoccurring. You know, I think this happens a lot with um, in a healthy marriage, right? There's like a, I know what's happening in my marriage right now because we have 900 square feet, three kids. I mean, we're always seeing each other's blind spots. And it's really hard work to take in feedback from someone. But it's, once you taste the liberty of like being free from your your blind spots or your strongholds, it is so amazing. You know, it's like breathing fresh air again. And so just taking opportunities to let people speak into your life uh, can be really helpful. I want to read, I'm going to let you guys go to discussions. I have some prompts, but I want to read a really famous passage. It's in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sure you guys have read it. It's a passage on love. I really like it with this lens of self-possessed love because what you see in the words is is this kind of love that's generating from within and going out. It's not in need of something. It wants to give something. So I'm going to read it a little slowly, and I just want you to, to consider what stands out to you from it. And, you know, this was written for a church that was quarreling. And one of the topics they were quarreling about was the... Um, the use of speaking in tongues, actually. Uh, There's a lot of speaking in tongues without interpretation, and people were feeling lost in the crowd. And um, this was written to say, like, you know, we got to love each other. And it's not just about performing um, these spiritual gifts. It's about helping people grow and keeping people along in the journey. So that's kind of the context. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So I'm going to transition us to talking together. And I left some extra time for that. I also have um, some food, because I kind of want to shift us into a more relaxed atmosphere than a 
than like a church atmosphere, so to speak. And I want us to engage with each other on these topics. Um, so here, here are discussions for you guys to consider. Telling stories can be really helpful for self-reflection. So tell a story. What is the moment when you felt you demonstrated a self-possessed love towards someone else? You really had yourself, you were ruling yourself, you saw a need or, or a, a sacred moment and you were really there for it. What's a moment when that happened? What's a moment when you felt you failed <laughs> in loving someone because you were influenced by some, someone, it said someone, but something other than love? What has possessed you and gets in the way of your loving kindness towards others? There's that list if you, if you want some ideas of things that, that could get in the way. And then what do you think you could do to remain self-possessed in your love so you have access to this loving kindness, this merciful love, this loyal love? Like, what could you change in your life so you can be more ready for those moments? Um, at the end, so I think we have like uh, about 20 minutes, so a good chunk of time to discuss. And then at the end, Peter, I think you have some things, right? So yeah, switch to your, your tables. Um, we'll bring some food and take these, these questions as you want. You don't have to start with any certain one.